Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which counts, sounds kind of funny, but it's it's loneliness, which is is a sad topic, but it's my favorite because I know we can do something about it for ourselves and for others. I remember a friend uh, telling me something a few years ago. She, she spoke very quietly and with pain. She said, Sue, I'm lonely and my mother is lonely. And I thought, well, how could that be? She's lovely and articulate and smart and non-judgmental, simply said she was a sweet young woman. How could she be lonely? And is she alone in her loneliness? The more I talk to people, I really doubt it. As connected as we are in this age of technology and transportation, women can feel isolated. It's not the same as being alone. Being alone is what we often need. As moms, we yearn for those few hours of no tugs on our shirts or aprons. Are you lonely? That's hard to admit. If so, you don't have to tell me. It can be your little secret. I admired my friend for saying so. It takes courage to be so vulnerable. We want to believe that we have this strong group of friends. We all want the sisterhood, if not the yaya. We long to connect. And if we don't quite connect, isn't it just one more thing that we're not good at? Do we have to feel guilty about this too, as well as everything else? Can't it be someone else's fault? Does it really come down to, I must not be worthy of developing deep friendships? Bummer, now I feel worse than I did before, you might be thinking. As a confident extrovert, almost to the obnoxious level, I will tell you I have been lonely. It's soul starvation. It's not meant to be. It's a slap in the face of God's great big family design. What can we do when we feel lonely? I think I had to admit it first. At that admission, I've cried a bit in my pillow or in the car. I've read David's heart prayers in the Psalms. But then I made a call, several, I like a crowd. I made a party happen out of desperation, not because I was so good at it. Now, that's not easy to do if you're feeling puny. And you know what I mean by feeling puny. It's not easy to do if you think no one else is lonely. Let me put that idea to rest right now. That's not true. Everyone is lonely some of the time. Not just women, men as well. Not just older women, younger women as well. They need you to call even more than you need to call them. It's true. You can believe me. I'm old. And since you want to meet someone else's need because You're a follower of Jesus, and that's what he calls us to do. Do it for that reason alone, to meet someone else's need. And you will not feel so lonely. They may need to be in your family. 
God sets the lonely in families. It says in Psalm 68, 6. When I was single till 35, I was a part of several different families. And I have a great family of my own, but I wasn't always with them uh, geographically. So the Lord set me in families in Brazil, in Whittier, in Idlewild, all these different places where I lived. God knows we need each other, so make that call or text. People just need a cup of water and a little bit of you. I'm convinced that everyone gets lonely some of the time, and we may just be too proud to admit it. Loneliness is the root of all need. Now, that's an interesting concept. And when life throws us curveballs and punches we were not expecting, we will feel all the more lonely if we don't already have a support set of friends. We need to be and feel loved, at least by one person or maybe by 10 special people, depending on if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Loneliness is the reason that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter exist. Funny how someone can have 400 or 4,000 friends on Facebook, but they don't know the names of their neighbors that they've lived next door to for 10 years. This week, we're going to a block party. These neighbors have hosted this block party for 21 years, and I've always had something else going on the weekend that they plan it. And since we're not best friends, I never tell them when they should have it. But this year, we get to go. We won't stay long, but I hope to connect with some people. And I'll ask the Lord to to show me maybe someone in this massive crowd, there's 90 houses, is lonely and doesn't really want to be there. They feel very uncomfortable. I pray that I'll be able to suss them out and make them feel less lonely. People long to connect, but some of us may not want to make that effort because people have hurt us in the past. We expected more of them, and they didn't come through. At that crossroads, we make a choice to either live a protective life, keeping others at arm's length, or to live transparent lives. You've met, the, you've met those people who don't want to join in, and you kind of look at them and say, well, don't you want to come? And, and you think, well, maybe it's because someone hurt them in the past that they don't want to take that risk. That choice, whether we go ahead and reach out to someone, predicts our path and often makes a difference for how God uses us. If I'm feeling so puny and wrapped up in my pain, I won't go out and look to see if someone is more lonely than I am. So God can't use me. Sometimes I have to admit, I feel like I'm an undercover agent. My hidden agenda is to introduce people to Jesus and to one another. I actively and unconsciously look for women who need connecting. And I find that one of the biggest secrets is that women are lonely and they don't need to be. And that when we continue in our loneliness, we get into trouble in all sorts of ways. Someone wrote me on this subject, I am totally guilty of acting like my loneliness is something to be ashamed of. So I doubt I let people know that I'm lonely as often as I should. I wonder if we could all admit to feeling that way one time or another. There's a secret shame about it. 
I like to say that if God wanted us to be by ourselves, he would have given us each our own planet. And I know some of you listening would prefer that because of all the stress you're under. But that's one more reason we need each other to help us through challenging seasons of life, like with teenagers or small children or a difficult work project. God wants us together. We are on the same planet. But sometimes you might feel like you are alone, even surrounded by tons of people. We can still feel lonely in a crowd like no one really knows us and that no one really cares. Mother Teresa said the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. Now, she worked with all kinds of terrible poverty, maybe the most um, impoverished people in the world. But yet she noticed in all of her years of work that the worst poverty is loneliness. I don't think anyone ever expects to be lonely, which is odd after all. So much of life is comings and goings. You leave college to find a job and you lose those tight, close friends that you thought you would never forget. You leave a career uh, temporarily to have babies and you lose that colleague connection. Your kids grow up eventually and leave. Your husband dies quite unexpectedly. And even though he drove you crazy much of the time, you are left bereft, alone, suddenly missing every little snore and the rumpled sheets. It's unfair. Life in all its fullness brings holes along with it. We wake up some morning, and if we are honest, we realize we are lonely, and it's not the way it was supposed to be. One of my friends went through uh, a divorce after 39 years of marriage. And she told me once, I just don't like eating alone. She'd been married since her early 20s. So we started inviting her over on a regular basis. That was one simple thing, one little thing to break a sad, lonely time where a woman was getting adjusted to living and eating her meals by herself. Do you know someone like that? They might not not tell you. I was honored that she told me that. Loneliness hits us in different seasons of our lives. Dr. Dobson said that when a mom has tiny kids to care for, she can feel like she is on a desert island with no one to talk with all day long. You might feel the same way when your kids go off to school or leave home for good. My friend told me that when both her kids went to Hume Lake for camp the same week, she just went into their bedrooms and cried. After I spent a week cleaning Bonnie's bedroom when she went to USC, I cried too. Life changes. We might experience pockets of loneliness. What can we do about it? How can we banish loneliness in ourselves or for others? This is what one couple did. My husband and I just moved into a new neighborhood this year. We started an experiment about three months ago. We began waving to people we didn't know, stopping to introduce ourselves and progressed to conversations in our neighbor's driveways. Now we are receiving fresh veggies from Bunny next door and we're taking meals to neighbors recovering from surgeries. And we're planning a Christmas treat we could take to everyone that will sweeten their holiday. Our experiment opened our world 
And as Bob, our 30-year-old friend across the street, says, you never know when you will need a neighbor. Bob is a wise man. She goes on. So here is my challenge to you this week. Think of someone in your neighborhood that may need a little TLC and share yourself with them. Put a card in their mailbox inviting them to tea or soup. Take time for some conversation with them. Extend your nets and increase your circle of influence. I love that advice. This past year, a dear woman, our neighbor, passed away suddenly, like within a week's time. An ambulance came down the street and some of us were outside chatting and we watched to see where the ambulance was going to stop. And it was just six houses down the street from us and across the street. And then we saw the husband come outside and then we saw his wife um, wheeled into the ambulance. And at first it was good news. She was going to be able to come home. And then it was bad news. She was going to come home, but there was nothing they could do for her. And the very next Friday, only seven days, I got a text from the husband and he said, we lost her last night. Please tell the neighbors. That's sudden loneliness. It wasn't until about eight months after that time that they hosted a memorial in their front yard and I met some of their family. And so I invited the daughter-in-law for coffee the next day and she lived abroad usually. And she said, I told her I'd taken some meals to John and she said, Please take leftovers. Take anything. He will just do takeout all the time. And so sometimes I feel a little awkward taking something down for him. But I like it when his car is gone and I'll just leave something on the porch and I'll say, John, there's soup on the porch or there's cornbread on the porch. And he always appreciates it. My friends, Grace, Debbie, and Cecily and I were having lunch one day years ago. And Grace said, girls, I'm going back to work part time and I'm going to miss meeting with you so much. And I said, well, we can do something about that, Grace, because you're only working part-time. But even if she were working full-time, we could have done it on a Saturday. So I went to the calendar and we planned out dates that she didn't work to meet at each of our homes for breakfast or lunch for the next year. We took turns. We ate at home to save money. We prayed for each other's families. And we each were on a stretcher at different times, but always holding up the corner of the other stretcher at the same time. Grace then moved to Cape Cod, so we invited Lori to join us, and we met again for 12 years. If you start this kind of thing this week, you can say, in 12 years, we've been meeting for 12 years. It doesn't happen without putting it on the calendar. I think the word intentionality is being overused, but it's true. You have to be intentional. Put it on the calendar, even if it's once a quarter and not once a month. We rarely see each other in between those monthly meetings, or we rarely saw each other because we were so busy in other people's lives and helping our children. And we still would eat more than we would pray, but it helped banish loneliness. Everyone listening to me today can do this. Don't make your group too big. If it's over four people, it's really hard to match your schedules. Another way to build community is to get into a mentoring relationship. The Bible says for the older women to teach the younger. That solves loneliness for the older person and for the younger. You might be thinking, I'm not that old. I get it. 
one night I went into our local Forever 21 store and I walked up to the corner and I said, hey, I'm thinking of opening my own store and it's going to be called Forever 61. They thought I was serious and they got very excited and they were a little disappointed that I was only kidding. This was a few years ago, obviously. I told them it would not be as big as a small farm. Do you remember that huge Forever 21 we had in San Luis Obispo? It was as big as a small farm. The music I told them would be soft enough so that you could hear yourself think and all the clothes would fit. That sounds glorious, but who wants to be forever 21? You don't want to be in junior high. It doesn't matter how old we think we are. We're all going to be older by lunch. So ask God to bring someone into your life that can live life alongside of you, maybe just once a quarter or once a month. Someone uh, in your life that you can pass along the wisdom that God is pouring into you. A mentoring relationship sounds so special and so valuable and so simple, yet far too many women are still trying to do life on their own. God doesn't want us to journey alone. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, in the New Living Translation, it reads, Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand and conquer. Three are even better. I always think, well, God loves threes. He's a trinity after all. Three are even better. And you can match your schedules with three people. So the verse says that when we fall, we will all fall. But that's not the tragedy. It's when we fall alone. Don't you hear? Don't you feel especially sad when you hear of an older person, someone who lived there alone, uh, who died, and then his body or her body, his body were they were not discovered for several days because they lived alone. That's a literal falling. But I mean, when we fall emotional, we've had a bad day. Earlier today, my friend called and said that she'd gotten her feelings hurt. And then within an hour, my feelings got hurt. And then we talked again later in the day, and we talked it all out. We didn't fall alone. We had each other. Who can you journey with today to make your load easier or maybe someone else's? Proverbs 17, 17 reads, Friends love at all times, and they are born for times of adversity. I was getting a pedicure. A friend gave me a gift card. And so I was at a different salon than I normally was in. And they are mostly, the people who run them are Vietnamese. The gal doing my feet seemed particularly friendly, and I didn't really feel like talking for once. I was trying to read a book. But occasionally, just to be nice, I lifted my eyes and made conversation. So I asked her, what is your first language? And she said, Korean. Well, I was amazed. And she said, I'm surprised. I thought, I said to her, I'm surprised. I thought you were all Vietnamese. And she said, they are. I'm the only one. I can't understand a word they're saying. And we laughed. And I said, well, I have two women from Korea living in my home right now. And I told her the whole story of how they came to live with us. And she told me her story. She said her husband works out of town most of every week. And she's on the verge of empty nest. See, that's a different season. I said, you must be so lonely. And she said, yes, I am so lonely. But yesterday I had a good dream and you are my good dream. 
Well, I wasn't sure about that, but I did say, let's call one of my Korean students and you can speak Korean. And so we did. And I had to hold the nail polish so she wouldn't drop it all over my legs while she chatted away with our student, Yoon. She and another friend, Michelle, who is Mongolian, but also speaks Korean, came for tea. and We had the best time. You may not be called to go to Korea or to Mongolia, but we're all called to make connections, to be a friend, to show the love of Christ for the sake of the gospel. You know what? Someone might more easily come to your house for a cup of tea than for you to ask them to come to church. So your hospitality is a step, a small step. You need to do this for the sake of that person who needs your friendship. You might be thinking, I'm never lonely. Maybe not, but someone else is. One person said, I'm not joining Bible study this year because I have enough friends. And it struck me that that's not why we go to Bible study. Someone else needs, may need her friendship. God doesn't want you to be lonely. He's all about connections. The reason we had to have a Savior is so that we could have a personal connection to God. Do you know how much He loves you just the way you are? Just the way you are. And that He wants to spend day in and day out? He wants you to spend day in and day out in His love and care? I'd be happy to talk to you about coming into personal relationship with the God of the universe anytime. My email is sue at welcomeheart.com. It's so exciting to be God's welcome to your world. Who knows who might paint your nails tomorrow? <laughs> God uses your life experience to help someone else. Your pain is never wasted, unless, of course, you keep it to yourself. Invite someone over. You will be less lonely when you do. If you're not sure you have a relationship with God, please pray this prayer along with me. Dear God in heaven, I believe you sent Jesus to live for me and to die in my place. I know I'm more sinful than I've ever believed, but more loved than I ever deserved. Please forgive me of my sins. I place my trust in Jesus and my life in your hands. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you would like some further encouragement, I'd love to send you my ebook for free. It's called At God's Table, Growing as a New Believer. Just email me at sue at welcomeheart.com. Now, this month, we've been holding a really fun challenge, and this is just to help you and give you courage and confidence in doing hospitality. It's called What to Do Today to Host Guests in a Month, Hospitality by the Day, and there's just 24 very, very short tasks that will come into your email inbox. It will start on the following Monday after you sign up. And I'll put the link to sign up in show notes because it's kind of fun. And it's just one sentence, a sentence like, look through your recipes. That would be the only task for that day. Or another one is invite your own family for a company meal. So you're practicing on people who know and love you. Or another one is text 
your guests and tell them how much you're looking forward to their coming at the end of that week. So see, they're very simple tasks, but they help us to get over feeling overwhelmed with all the many things we think we need to do to have someone over. You will be pleasing God so much and giving someone hope that they are not alone in the world. You have a great day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.